Good morning, everyone. So we're here cultivating friendliness, warmth, patience, connection. And just as Rebecca was speaking last night so beautifully about the rewilding process of our heart, when we introduce this wholesome quality of metta, we find all these other qualities growing. So we introduce one native species And this balances and brings in vitality and the flourishing of other native species. And the magic of that is while metta feels like this soft, tender, heartfelt quality, it also brings a deep kind of clarity, a steadiness and balance. The kind of open receptivity that Devin was talking about yesterday, being with things just as they are. And so as metta grows, we see that wisdom also grows. And as you're doing your phrases, just as Rebecca offered this open-handed offering, Can we intend for happiness and safety and health and then let go of the result? The Bhagavad Gita recommends that we act with deep integrity, with the clearest of intentions. And then we let go of any expectation or agenda for how things turn out. The wisdom that knows we can't control. Things are exquisitely, majestically just as they are. And so it can be a kind of unexpected wisdom that grows. We simply set these phrases in motion. And then we notice a very quiet kind of knowing that it's very practical. It might know what to do. Simply how to navigate the open space of your day. 
or how to respond to these challenges that might arise. Without even trying for wisdom, it comes on its own. Sylvia Borstein says, everything is always breathtakingly the only way that it can be. My heart resting in equanimity can respond with compassion. So in this way, we need all of the Brahma-viharas, this steadiness of mind that allows the space and room for compassion and love and joy to respond on their own. And part of this wisdom that starts to arise is we see the dreamlike nature of everything. That it's so breathtakingly, as Sylvia says, it's so ephemeral, it's so fleeting. And because of that, it's so much more beloved, the world, these beings, this human being. We might even touch in on this quality that sometimes we say is emptiness. Everything like a rainbow just coming together and falling apart again and again. And this clear seeing is not separate from the natural response of the heart that then can love even more deeply, knowing that we can't hold on to any of it. The great Dzogchen master, Dogo Kensei Rinpoche, says that when we recognize the empty nature of phenomena, the energy to bring about the good of others dawns uncontrived and effortless. And so we're cultivating both. We're cultivating this deep, kind responsiveness of the heart. And then without even trying a deep clarity this wisdom that knows what to do is also growing. So there's no need to push it. You might just notice that that's happening in its very own quiet way. So there's a story I want to tell you about one of my Tibetan teachers. His name is Kawa Toku. And there's a story from a book uh, called The Heart of the World by Ian Baker. 
And it's this big adventure story about this long pilgrimage they took into the heart of the mountains in Tibet. Very challenging pilgrimage. They were circumambulating a big mountain, snowy mountain, fording rivers, climbing cliffs. This whole group of pilgrims going to these sacred places in the mountains, places where uh, very few humans had gone. So there's this group of devotees, practitioners, uh, some of them Western, and then traveling with this Rinpoche, this Kawatulku, and other Sherpas and attendants. And so this is the story of uh, their hike on the trail, Kawatulku. So Ian Baker says, Today was particularly bad for me as the rain would not let up, and the leeches were relentless. At one point, I counted 22 of them sucking on me at the same time. Sloshing along the muddy trail in the pounding rain, I came upon a large, slimy log that had fallen chest high across the brush-choked path. In my agitated state, I viewed the log as a menacing obstacle that was clearly separate, in my way, and against me. With no way under or around, I jumped, stomach first, and slid over the top. Regaining my balance on the other side, I was infuriated at the mud and decaying mush that seemed to have covered the entire front of my body. Rubbing off the crud, I cursed the log and the goddamned rain. It was my brother Todd who suggested that we wait and see how the llama would handle this formidable impediment. Surely this test would break him. Hiding off the trail, we peeked through the underbrush just in time to see him trudge up to the log. Ever smiling, He took a couple of steps back and tried his jump with a running start. With not enough momentum, coupled with a portly belly, he slid back down on the same side of the log and landed on his back in a large puddle. Shaking his rain-drenched head, he burst into spasms of uproarious laughter. Staggering to his feet, He repeated the same maneuver with the same results no less than three times. With each collapse back into the puddle, his laughter grew stronger and louder. On his fourth attempt, he made it over the top and slid headlong into the muddy puddle on the other side. Again, the laughter was knee-slapping. Continuing to chuckle, he wiped himself off as best he could, lovingly patted the log as though it were a dear friend, and proceeded up the trail, smiling. Todd and I just stared at each other. So I think right here you see the friendliness the humor, 
the equanimity, the wisdom. It's how we navigate life, (laughs) the trails, the leeches, and the rain, and the logs, with a deep kind of grace and humor, humanity. So, may we continue to cultivate these very natural and innate qualities in our own hearts and minds. Feeling ourselves pilgrim companions on the path together.